We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Yin's No Ball podcast. I'm John Ledyard. With me is Brad Spielberger. Trade deadline is looming about five days away, and so... We might have a little bit of conversation about that toward the end of this podcast. But first, the Jacksonville Jaguars are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. It should be one of the better measuring stick games for the Steelers. Not that the Jaguars have been perfect this season. Not at all. But it should be one of the better measuring stick games for the Steelers that we've had. Although they could also kind of win like they won in the Ravens game, Brad. It's hard to tell with this team these days, but I'm looking forward to this matchup against one of the top quarterbacks in the league. No, you said definitely a great measuring stick. See how you stack up with, you know, a, a very good team. You know, I think a team with a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. Again, like you said, they're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. We'll get into that a little bit, but you know, five and two, four straight wins, four wins in 19 days uh, across multiple continents that they're, they're playing some good ball, have that extra rest coming off a of Thursday you know, you win this one. I think it is a, a statement win, whatever, whatever you want to call it, uh, against a good opponent. Yeah, Jaguars offense has been one of the weirdest units in the league, in my opinion. Like, very frustrating for me to watch because they start games really hot. The script is really good. They look like world beaters. And then throughout the course of the game, it just feels like they don't get Calvin Ridley involved at all. They don't run the ball at times, I feel like, enough. I know that's weird for someone like myself to say, but I feel like they are very effective at running the football. I think Etienne is a, one of the better weapons in the league out of the backfield. Um, uh, yes, protection is not perfect. I feel like it's been okay. Sometimes they – yeah, anyway, they there's just a lot of things that it doesn't feel like they do anything really that consistently well. They are kind of a team that's all over the place a little bit. It's been enough for them to win games. Uh, but drive to drive, they can really kind of look all over the place and so I wonder, like, my big question about this team is, has it taken a leap or they kind of, maybe defensively it feels like they have at this point, although some of that could be fool's gold. But I do wonder if they've, like, taken any sort of a leap or are they just kind of the same team that they were last year with maybe Lawrence playing a little bit better? I mean, I don't even know if that difference is is really that identifiable at this point. I think the big thing you mentioned there that jumps off when you look at the, some of their numbers, they are fourth in the NFL in success rate on scripted plays, which is, you know, we define as the first 15 plays of a game. I think Kyle Shanahan said in the presser that they define it as 15 plays as well. It probably varies team to team, but nevertheless, fourth in the NFL in success rate on those, 24th in the NFL off of script. So they're scoring the ball at a really great clip early on in games. And then Press Taylor takes over and, and you see clunkiness in, in that Saints game last Thursday. 
between the end of the second half and before that Christian Kirk touchdown to pretty much seal the game, they had 50 yards of offense in like a like almost two full quarters of gameplay. So you can get after them. And the big thing in this one is Trevor Lawrence is still going to be wearing that knee brace. He obviously scrambled for like 56 yards on eight rushes in that Saints game. But, you know, admitted he felt a little bit uncomfortable. I think if you get pressure early in the shot clock, he'll probably throw the ball away or maybe scoot again like he did in that game. But, but I think if you do get quick pressure – not quite like a Joe Burrow early season level, but you could probably take away a lot of the you know shot plays and explosives that they, they do have at times. Um, their defense, I do think, has taken a step. I, I think they have a couple like underrated dudes on the interior. Uh, well, first, Foley Fadakasi, former Jet, was just not good for them last year. It was frankly like just bad, uh, but is a really, really good run defender and is looking like it now. And then they extended Devon Hamilton, who I think is a good all-around guy, more of a run defender again, but they're top five in the NFL and pretty much every run defense metric you want to look at. And we know the struggles for the Steelers run game. It's going to be very, very hard to get a push, to get a lot of early down yardage if they're running and not being creative. And if they're sitting in, you know, second and eight, third and eight type of situations, uh, which I think is going to happen a fair amount of the time, it's going to get tough. And, and they're going to need to, you know, score more than just in the fourth quarter with cardiac Kenny. Um, because, yeah, I do think the defense has taken a small step. Boy, Lukun's been balling out. Tyson Campbell's a good young player. He's healthy now. So, yeah. I agree on the defense, and we'll talk about that. Well, maybe we'll talk about that side of the ball now because I I really think Roy Robertson Harris, some of the guys you mentioned, are that it is kind of underrated group. It's one of those rare, the D-line is deep, but it is not particularly great at rushing the passer. It's not an amazing pass rush group, but it is a perfectly adequate pass rush group, I would say, when you're talking about four-man rushers. The interesting thing about Jacksonville, obviously Mike Caldwell, defensive coordinator, comes off the Todd Bowles coaching tree, so you know he's going to bring it up front. Eighth highest blitz percentage in the league this season, 32%. That's under the Steelers. So I don't know where the Steelers are at, but still pretty high. Um, they're 17th in pressure rate, though, despite having lots of first-round picks up front and all these blitz-heavy approach. Like They really want to be just knowing that tree. Like You want to be a team that lives off pressure rate. Like You want to be top five, six, seven, eight like in the league. So 17th in pressure rate, that is like the number one thing probably for them right now that if you ask them what they wish they were better at defensively, I think that's what it is, but they've got playmakers still. Uh, you mentioned Campbell. I think he's a really good young corner for them. I loved him coming out of college. The big thing I always said about Campbell is like everything up until the ball arrives at the catch point is like elite. Like he was top tier type of quarter cornerback up until that point. Some of that's existed in the NFL, but he has gotten better at being able to find the football. Uh, obviously, playing his own heavy approach, you know, it definitely helps that. Um, he's been able to play. Uh, front forward in which that is he's that definitely that type of player I think more than anything and so that fits good Andre Cisco uh, probably one of the best ball hawking safeties in the league at free safety and a player that has probably improved and taken a leap from last year as much as anybody has um, so he's another one uh, you got to watch out for and kind of be aware of where he is on the field at all times Rayshon Jenkins is a fascinating player to me because there are reps and games and little if you cut like his best plays you'd be like who, why does everybody talk about this guy? Like, he looks pretty good. Like, he can match up with tight ends and the slot. He can play. He's in the box. He can blitz. He does a little bit of everything. And he is kind of a jack of all trades, but he truly is a master of none. And there are times in which he also looks like the worst player on the field. So he is kind of all over the place. I think he's like a heart and soul guy, definitely a leader there. Um, so they love him. Um, but just an interesting collection and mixture of players. And it probably brings us to two of the bigger name guys on the team. Trayvon Walker in his second season now was the number one overall pick. And Josh Allen obviously was their top pick a couple of years ago and has developed into probably the face of their defense. I would say the, the true, if you were going to pick one leader, 
year from their defense. It would probably be him. These guys, the, a lot of the season for Jacksonville was going to go as these guys have gone. What have you seen so far from this season about the development of Allen and Walker? Yeah, I think Josh Allen's having a great contract year. Not saying it's just because he has he's having a contract year. He he was a classic guy for us last season where his pressure rate was top 25 among edge defenders. Just the total volume, I think he had 68 quarterback pressures and only had six sacks in that season. Uh, I, I put out a bet on the website, over 8.75 sacks for the entire year. I think he has seven already through week seven. So you know, we saw a lot of positive regression coming there. He is a consistent winner off the edge. I think a little bit of a smaller guy, like Walker's obviously the bigger body. Uh, you know, Allen wins with Bend around the corner. Not not like a totally undersized, you know, like we're talking about Nick Herbig. But but I think you can, you know, if you stay in front of him, he's not going to bull you over. He, he's not going to, you know, g- give you a ton of power. It's more of a speed finesse rusher type player. And, and then with Walker, there are still flashes. I don't think maybe he's as bad as some of the main detractors and people don't want to, you know, compare him to Aiden Hutchinson because they had Hutch first in their, you know, big board or whatever. Like, I don't think he's been that bad, but he really has not been a consistent pass rushing threat. Great run defender on the edge, though. I think he sets a strong edge. I think he's very good, um, you know, at, at keeping offensive linemen at bay with one arm and being able to still make tackles often with just that outside arm and and do different things with his, you know, freakish athletic gifts. But, but yeah, it's just not consistently winning as a rusher. And I start to wonder more and more if they're going to consider kind of using him like Arden Key they had last year, like kick him inside a little bit on certain passing downs, things of that nature. I know they are calls on edge rushers in, in the trade deadline market i don't know if they do anything um but yeah I, i'm with you alan's the face walker is he's good he's just not he's not number one overall pick good through 25 games that, that's for sure yeah absolutely and this is i mean really those two i think like if they bring in and when they've been at their best jacksonville's defense like transforms if they can win their matchups jacksonville's defense is like on another level i think um as alan is a really good player in my opinion like i don't really have any like kind of like a no notes thing for me like i just think he's really good like i, I don't think he's like elite i probably never be elite but i think he's been really good even when the numbers haven't been like unbelievable he's good against the run he's good against the pass he can drop and cover like he's just kind of a complete player um not ever gonna be in that elite tier but just a very good player walker to me is very siloed in like how he wins as a rusher and i think that Honestly, his approach, uh, converting speed to power and trying to use his length and physicality to work off blocks, it makes sense given his frame, but people just love the combine numbers. And like, if you watched his tape, he just wasn't explosive. And like, it sucks because like, he is a great fluid athlete in space for for sure. Like when you put him, make him test and he kind of knows what's coming, but there is an instinctiveness to NFL play, especially at that position that you kind of have to have. And he really feels like he's more of a, a, a speed to power, like athlete type of guy. He's got assets and traits, but they're not going to show up that often because unique to what he does as a pass rusher, like pass rush athleticism, always talking about like the, the four pillars of pass rush athleticism being burst off the ball, speed up the arc, bend and flexibility at the top of the arc and ability to change direction being the fourth one. And he really like, if you look at those pillars, like, None of those things are great assets for him. Like I do think speed's like obviously one that's in his favor, but he's never been like super explosive off the ball consistently anyway. And he's just never been able to corner. So when you can't do those things as a pass rusher, you kind of become like a midline rusher. You've got to go down the center of the blocker and then work your way to like going down the center of the blocker and prying open kind of that inside half to be able to work in toward the quarterback. It's just a hard way to live as a rusher. There's a couple guys who've been able to do it and do it well throughout their careers and just got so good with their hands that they could just, you only needed a tiny bit of space and they could get through and make it work. 
it's just hard to live that way. And Walker's not been able to live that way really as a rusher. So I think he's a decent player. He's just not a, he's not like a huge liability on the field, like unplayable. He just doesn't have the ceiling of again, if he would have been a third round pick, which is where he should have been taken, everybody'd be fine with him. Like he'd be a nice little asset for them. But because he was the number one overall pick for some reason, I'll never understand that that's kind of what's blown his expectations. Like, or, I mean, he just hasn't met him at all, basically, in his career. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think we see it the exact same way. It is interesting, you know, where just being a, you know, underwear Olympics athlete doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be, you know, super explosive and timing your jump and, and doing all those things. Like you said, also just getting around the corner. I guess last couple of guys we should mention, we talked corners, we talked edge rush, we talked D-line. Devin Lloyd, their other first-round pick in that class, I thought was pretty underwhelming last year. I think we're starting to see some flashes for him. I think the game is slowing down a little bit. I also think kind of in the way we talk about Patrick Queen opposite of Roquan Smith, I think bringing in Foye Luakun, who is a like 15 tackle a week type of guy, obviously had the pick six against the New Orleans Saints, just, just a field general. I think, again, a guy I would say he's not really special at anything. I think he's good at everything, though. But I think you are now seeing Devin Lloyd a little bit more confident, a little bit more comfortable, um, and in particular against the run uh, in that Saints game in particular. I thought he was instinctive. They may have had some run blitzes. Uh, they do blitz, like you said, top 10 rate in the NFL, top 10 in stunt rate too. But I think he's just he, – he's trusting his instincts and firing now, and I think he was questioning himself so much last year. Obviously, kind of in that like Zayvon Collins mold where people don't really know where to put him. and Is, is he going to play some edge? Is he going to be an off-ball guy? I think he's starting to see it, and I do think he was really good. It's, it's one game, um, but I thought he was awesome in that Saints game. I, I know we graded him super highly in that game as well, but I think you just saw it on the broadcast film. Um, you know, lateral quickness, ability to, to get through contact at the line of scrimmage, um, but more so just like he was a step late last year and would like lose contain or, or not be in the right gap and stuff like that. And I, I didn't see that personally much at all uh, against New Orleans. I love Devin Lloyd when he was coming out. He was one of my favorite players in the draft. Um, it was a slow start for him last year. Even then, there were flashes, but I think it was a slow start for him. Maybe he hasn't looked like quite the athlete I thought he was in college in the NFL. He's not a bad athlete, but he's not like elite elite either. But there are still those flashes of instincts and awareness and coverage that I just sort of like, man, this this could be spe- – like this can work. And he's very active. Uh, figuring out how to cover as an NFL linebacker is not only one of the hardest roles of any – buddy in the NFL 
it's also one of the most fluid week to week concept to concept. Like there's so much variance and there's so much room that if you face elite quarterbacks, you could be perfect. And like, they can still find a way to move you with their eyes or something like that. And to be able to throw it, you can't, you're literally playing with your back a lot of the time in zone defenses live. Like you're playing back to the assignment. Like that's crazy. Like you, like it's just very hard to be consistent when you're asked to do what linebackers are asked to do in today's NFL. So He's suffered from that a little bit, but this season has been way more good than bad, in my opinion. Like, been able to watch him a good bit and have really been encouraged. He's not perfect. Um, neither linebacker, neither of their linebackers are perfect to look on either. Um, but they're both certainly in today's NFL. When you look at linebacker player on the league and you're like, mm, who's good? Like, uh, not too many guys. I think they're both like definitely above average for sure. And and hopefully in Lloyd's case, getting better. So, guys, you got to be aware of the, the thing. That's the thing with Jacksonville. Like, I didn't even mention Darius Williams, who I think. Every time I watch him, I'm like, this guy can just ball. He can just cover. Like, he's the guy that allows you to be flexible when you say, okay, we're going to man cover. And he has that kind of ability and his skill set, like, to be able to do that. So he's had a tremendous season. There really are not too many, like, guys you look at in the Stevens, you're like, they just can't play. Like, like the Rams game last week for the Steelers, you could point to so many guys on that defense. And we talked about this earlier in the week when we did our film reviews of that game. You just got a guys that just couldn't play. Like Steelers just had an overwhelming talent advantage just by having NFL caliber guys that were like deserved to start and up, up front for them and, and in other places in the team. And the Rams just didn't, frankly. Like a lot of the guys starting for them will not be starting in the future when this team actually that team actually has talent again. And with Jacksonville, it's really just not the case. They're deep up front on the lines in terms of being capable, solid players. They have the linebackers that they need to be able to play a couple of different types of ways. They have quality corners, they have the ball hawk safety. They just have a lot of different things that you need defensively and Caldwell to his advantage he's done exactly what he's supposed to do except for that pressure that's the one thing that he really wants you know in this scheme that he hasn't gotten and I think it'll make them make a move we can talk about maybe later at the deadline or what if, if it's not at the deadline uh next offseason to get like an to find somebody that's a really high quality maybe proven already pass rusher because they're second in the NFL in takeaways since 2022 since the beginning of last season when Caldwell took over so that's what you want to do if you're in a, a Bulls a defensive branch t- type of defense you want to be able to get pressure and get turnovers you're going to allow passing yards you're not going to be perfect in that way you're going to get gashed at times but you can't let teams score touchdowns in the red zone and you got to create turnovers and get splash plays with your pressure so that's what he's striving for they're just the pressure is going to be probably could be where this game's won or lost for Pittsburgh is whether they are surrendering pressure at a higher rate than Jacksonville's used to getting or at a lower rate a great point I, I also like the characterization like yeah they have a, they have arguably 11 good players they don't have that force multiplier that causes problems for the offense so they have to account for him or you know give give help to whoever his assignment is and then it opens things up for everybody else like if you drop that piece in i think we're then talking about them as one of the better units in the nfl just because you know i've probably said this in the show before like defense can be a weak link system they don't really have a weak link they just right now don't have that difference making splash play type of guy but but yeah, I actually think it's a good point too. Like the, their ability to navigate this pressure, uh, to not allow it, frankly. You know, they have some good interior guys too, like Roy Robertson Harris can get upfield. Like they have, you know, a bunch of guys that are not going to take over games, but can randomly have like a six pressure outing and just have a good afternoon. And if they can limit that and, and not, you know, really Josh Allen is probably the one consistent guy who's going to win on a week to week basis. If they can limit him to a degree, Kenny should have time, you know, in this game. And it's a good secondary, but again, it's not, you know, some impenetrable secondary. Campbell is healthy now, but didn't play in that in that Saints game, so maybe not 100%. Um, I also love Darius Williams. I don't get why the Jaguars see him succeed on the outside in L.A., bring him in as a free agent, and the first year stick him in the slot, where I just don't think 
not a bad tackler, but I wouldn't ask him to play in the slot and like try to come down in the run game and, and do stuff like that. He's a sticky coverage guy. And now that he's back there, you know, on the outside, like you said, he, he's, um, you know, can play man, can play zone, can, can, can contest those bigger guys. But, you know, maybe you could pick on a five foot nine player uh, if you had George Pickens lined up on him and, and Kenny does have time. So the back shoulder stuff, jump ball stuff, like maybe that to a degree could work in their favor. Um, but yeah, it, it's a, it's a fun unit. And, and like you said, probably going to get better as the year goes on too. It's very tough uh, for me to think about like matchup wise, Williams, like I'm sure they'll, they'll try to put, you know, again, this is a zone. I, I'm going to look up their percentages actually. Cause I forgot to grab that before we started, but uh, I know just from watching the scheme over the years, like a team that wants to play a lot of zone. And so if they do that, then you're not going to really necessarily be matching up on sides primarily. Um, but yeah, I, it just, in terms of the physicality of what Pickens presents, it isn't like like Williams on Johnson makes sense and Pickens on and and Cam on Pickens makes sense based on the prototypes they have a corner. Uh, I didn't even remember that that Williams was in the slot like half the time last year, and so like totally different this year. He's played thirteen snaps in the slot, so he did, they just don't see him that way at all now. So they learned their lesson. He's back to balling out like he did with the Rams. Probably one of the I probably should have made. I was on Mike Renner's podcast the other day. Probably should have made that underrated list for me i'm kicking myself for not including his name because it would have been a good one that nobody talks about but um steelers are gonna have their hands full there uh gonna have their hands full up front as well i think just some of the matchup wise dan moore as he continues to start uh just i don't really like i think that's a matchup josh allen could absolutely completely exploit like i would be very very cautious about that one i think and allen can rush from either side and has certainly over the course of his career uh walker is very much speed to power guy. I think that's going to test Chooks too. And so, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough day for the offensive line, no doubt, especially in the run game. Um, Jacksonville this season, if you look just at EPA per play defensively, seventh overall, sixth against the pass, 13th against the run, pretty consistently really good as a defense. You know, and that 13th against the run, the the difference between like sixth and fifth place and 13th is like very minimal. So you're, you're talking about a group that at any point in time could be one of the best deep run defenses in the NFL, depending on situation and things like that. So, I, yeah, I, I don't think, like we said, there isn't the star power maybe. Allen's the closest thing they have to it. But across the board, just a very consistently – solid group and definitely going to be hard to take advantage of what are some ways like if we just look throughout the course of this season and we see some of the ways that jacksonville has been attacked by other teams um this season it almost is funny to say this because the steelers also had the least amount of success against them but it feels like the texans have maybe done the best job of any team in terms of being able to attack the jaguars I mean, people have often compared Matt Canada's system to a Kyle Shanahan branch system. So yeah, of course. Can, this, can the Steelers have similar success, Brad, uh, to what Houston did to Jacksonville? Yeah, no, I, I think what they did is it, it's a ton of intermediate shots, a lot of hole shots and, and attacking the intermediate to the, towards the boundaries. Like you can, like we talked about, they have good safeties and good linebackers. You could high-low them and put them in conflict and probably attack the second level over the middle. But I think when you watch the games where they didn't play well, you had – like corner routes from, you know, tight alignments from Nico Collins and Tank Dell and, and stuff like that to really just kind of hit those, those holes in various zone coverages. Um, you know, if they're in a quarters or cover two type type lineup, I think that is something you saw consistently in that Texans game. And Stroud was just like time after time, just early um, and, and getting the ball out, you know, 10, 20 yards downfield. So I think that's probably the biggest way is they, they're probably, like you said, they're going to play a lot of zone play off. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think you're going to beat them deep a ton. They want, like you said, they want to keep things in front of them. Um, but I think you can attack them at the intermediate area of the field. 
Yeah, I think you're 100% right. Short to intermediate is the way to attack this defense. Um, it's going to have to be death by a thousand cuts, more than likely. Um, I, it's possible, you know, that you can hit a play down the field and you certainly should test them on the outside. Absolutely. Um, but you're going to have to have all your zone beaters ready uh, for sure. No question about it. You're going to want to take care, uh, you know, have your whole shots ready and be one to throw them. And I think Kenny is. Um, so, yeah, yeah. It, you know, what you're going to face kind of primarily throughout the game. I think um, you're going to have to be able to take what's there and go underneath, get quick catch and run opportunities against some of their spot drop looks. Um, that's always a key against this team. Um, honestly, you test their ability to tackle on the outside. Uh, screens, I think, are going to be a big part. It should be a big part of the game plan. Uh, can you can you throw it out wide, get a block, and have somebody gain some yardage after catch against some of the softer looks that they're going to give you up front? But, yeah, corner's going to play off probably. Like, you're going to get some space, and so you're going to have room to operate underneath in the passing game. Um, in the run game, we've talked about what they need to do. I don't know that that dramatically changes, but I will say you just don't expect the type of looks that you saw against uh, the Rams. Like, <laughs> they, they do no. it different over there in L.A. in terms of their fronts. I don't think the Steelers are going to get that lucky. Uh, this week against Jacksonville will be a little more, a little less room to run, I would say, up front for them. Yeah, I mean they were they they've deployed a lot of bare fronts and like different ways to just get all their big bodies out there with the outside linebackers. And but I think they probably would again speak to I think a screen the screenshot is a good point as well. Obviously, kind of by necessity, but I mean Alvin Kamara had 12 catches for like 100 yards in, in that game. You know, a lot of quick pressure, and they they were down three offensive linemen in New Orleans. But he was then kind of able to make some guys miss in space and and attack the sidelines once he had the ball. Um, yeah, I mean Jalen Warren, Najee Harris, kind of in that capacity, uh, could probably work as well. And obviously, mitigates the pass rush too. But but yeah, I, I think that was a good shout because I think screens. I, I could be wrong, but I think it's kind of been an issue for them um, a, a good chunk of the season, not just against New Orleans. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Typically, is for a a Bulls uh, branch defense type of uh, system. Um, the play action game is the other thing we got to point out. Like that, Houston used play action eleven dropbacks on those plays. Stroud was seven of ten for one hundred and sixteen yards. It's such a difference maker against zone heavy teams that are trying to spot drop because they've got their eyes. They're looking in the backfield. You can hold them. And you can then get them off their angles and dropping. So you can get receivers in behind them and use play action more than anything to hold those guys, draw them up a little bit and to be able to open up space in that intermediate middle portion of the field. It's just critical to be able to do that. The Steelers have, you know, as we've talked about, been very reticent to use uh, more play action. So I can't guarantee that this is going to happen. I know that we might be wasting our breath, but we got a shout out every time. So that when you watch the game and you're like, why aren't they using play action? We can be like, yeah, kind of said, you know, like question. It would help. Yeah. <laughs> it would definitely help. Also helps yeah. keep the pass rushers from teeing off. That matters too. And not that it's an amazing group, but every little bit helps when you're trying to buy time and, and create bigger space for Kenny to throw from to feel more comfortable in the pocket too. So would love to see him lean more into that. I don't know that that's going to happen, Brad. <laughs> I know, and it w- it really would be a nice component. Obviously, you said Houston's going to spam that that whole Shanahan tree. The play action is going to be a huge part of that offense, and I think you'll also like with both Lloyd and Aluakun, like they do like to bring pressure, and, and you know they probably bite a, a decent amount. Uh, you know, we've talked about I think bite distance under expectation, all that stuff against play action. If I remember correctly, last year they both were kind of pretty high up there. Um, also, while, while you were just ch- talking there, the Jaguars allowed the most receptions to running backs in the entire NFL. Uh, so it was not just last week. They allowed 
11 the week before to uh, six to Zach Moss, uh, five to Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, most in the entire league so far through seven weeks. So yeah, attack them underneath and, and letting those guys make plays. Even if you also, not just the running backs, but you know, use Connor Hayward in that capacity, maybe trust the Darnell Washington type play. We're, we're begging for it. It's coming eventually. But just, yeah, like th- throws into the flat, um, you know, near the line of scrimmage, I think could be a, a great way to attack this defense because, yeah, the numbers are not pretty on those type of, type of plays. Absolutely. So that gives you a pretty good idea of where they are at defensively, I think, and where Pittsburgh might be able to attack them. I I do feel slightly more confident in the Steelers offensive approach than I did a week ago. Still, like we're talking very low on the confidence scale, whatever the one to 10, whatever we're talking about, you know, twos and threes here. But I I do feel like, yeah, like some of the things that they tapped into that clearly worked. I don't know. Logically, in my head, I like to believe the coaches go and they look at the tape and they say, wow, that worked. There's no way like we have to like emphasize it next week. And that just makes sense to me. Like we have to continue to build on that. It has not always happened in Pittsburgh. So like I won't be surprised if it just totally doesn't happen again. But I am um, very curious to see how they play. Very good test in this Jacksonville defense. Jaguars offensively are way more frustrating to talk about because I, I truly am not quite sure. Like it, surviving the first 15 will be big. Uh, no doubt, yep. especially given how the Steelers start offensively, typically. And that is probably one of the stories of this game as we bridge from kind of defense to offense. It's just in general looking at the difference here, right? Like the Steelers are, were they 32nd, I think, in, uh, in the first 15? That is correct. Uh, okay, yeah. So they're dead last. Jaguars are fourth. It's really opposite ends of the, sh- uh, the spectrum in terms of um, especially the extremes because the Steelers have had one of the better EPAs in the fourth quarter, and Jacksonville has been a team that's kind of they- – they've had some decent fourth quarters, I guess, but they've been a team that generally throughout the game just kind of – I would say rather than completely dropping off, maybe the better way to say it is they're just all over the place after the yeah. opening 15. Where the opening 15, they look like world beaters. Like, they really do. They look that good. Yeah. And I'm always like, this is the week. Like <laughs> – and not just because <laughs> I have Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley on my fantasy team, which yeah. has basically been my undoing along with injuries. Nobody cares about that. But um, I also just, I don't know, I think Lawrence is really good and I'd like to see like more competency in general in their approach. But uh, what do you see from this offense when you watch? What's the number one thing that makes you, uh, that you fear the most when you're talking about Jacksonville's offense if you're an opposing defense? I think Trevor Lawrence first, I mean, obviously his average time to throw is one of the fastest in the entire NFL. So I think from that standpoint, it does, you know, make the pass rush for the Pittsburgh Steelers a little bit less effective, you know, because he's just not going to let guys get to him. I think he's the best like out ball thrower in the NFL right now, like even cross the field, throwing from the opposite hash to, you know, just um, speed outs and, and out breaking plays. He's just so good. So accurate, allows guys to turn out field. I do going, think okay. going from Matt Stafford to Trevor Lawrence, by the way, and that in that specific regard, <laughs> a tough test for defense. Probably the two, There's yeah, no, probably definitely the two best outbreaking quarterbacks in the league. But yeah, go ahead. True. No, it's a very good point. It's a very good point, and, and they do realize that I think, and, and they use it a lot. And, and so I think you need to be cognizant of that. But it's interesting. The Calvin Ridley, and we saw it against the Saints, and I was looking at his numbers throughout the entire season, has not been good against man coverage, like really at all. Like, And you compare his his stats in, in zone versus man, and yeah, he's had some tough matchups, particularly in those games. But, you know, maybe it's a guy that you trust Joey to bump with the line and, and play up on him or the other guys as well. Um, because look, Christian Kirk's a good player, but I think to me, he's a guy that finds soft spots in zone, sits down, good yards after the catch type of player. Maybe he's not like deficient, you know, uh, in other capacities, but like really is a guy that I think if you take out of the game, it, it limits a lot of the explosives because they'll just kind of start spamming like, Cal- uh, 
Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram and, you know, good players, but not guys that are going to beat you, I think, over the top. Maybe Ingram, uh, Ingram up the seam a little bit. But, but yeah, so so a lot of that. And then I agree with you, too, where, like, they go away from the run game at times where you'd think it would make a lot of sense <laughs> to run the football. And, mm-hmm. and ETN will break up a couple big gainers, like chunk plays, and then they'll just kind of – they'll throw, like, three or four plays in a row. And I get why you do it with Trevor Lawrence. But, but yeah, it's just – it's weird. It's a weird offense under Press Taylor. I still wonder if at some point Doug Peterson takes over. And then I will say to Trevor Lawrence's point, I think sometimes he can just kind of fall in love with the first read and just like not really scan the field and just trust that he can make every throw because he can. Um, but yeah, like sometimes I think he just takes it if it's there, even though there's probably a better play available to him. Um, you know, and it ties into the quick, quick get, get the ball out quickly, but. Um, yeah, that, that, that has been frustrating at times where I can't blame the play calling or the, you know, the, the, you know, the actual result of what they're running. He just kind of, Oh, I can get seven yards here. I'll just take it. And you'll see like another receiver streaming wide open down the, the other field, other side of the field. Um, anyway, what, what, what have you seen in Jacksonville on offense? I think Travis Etienne is just an absolute force, dude. I think he's so good. And I know that Steelers fans probably hate seeing that, saying that because, um, yeah. They're obviously they took Najee's Travis Etienne. I just don't I don't think there's any comparison between them as players, unfortunately. Um Etienne already this season. I mean, 32 missed force missed tackles this season uh as a rusher and then 10 more as a receiver. He's most just in incredibly hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, most most for a rusher or as most a rusher. As most a rusher. As a rusher, yeah. yeah. I mean he, he had a game against Buffalo where he forced eleven missed tackles and it looked yeah. like it too. He was he's just He's hard to hit. He's also not like in the typical sense that like he's just always moving laterally. You know, he's like hard to tackle because of how vertically explosive he is, which to me is like a totally different type of threat. Like there are guys who can make you miss in a phone booth, but often they like really, they can make that and people miss, but they're not really gaining any ground. So they're not really getting anywhere. So it, it always is like a little bit deceptive sometimes when you see that, but no, consistently with ETN, he's making you miss vertically, just erase his angles and he can, the slightest opening and he gets through it. He is probably the number one player over the years that just made me realize like burst is just so critical as a rusher. And it's like the biggest thing with Najee Harris that I'm just like, he has no burst at all. And like the box running backs that I watch, I'm just like, there's no explosiveness. Like even Rashad White, who forces a lot of missed tackles, it's all yep. horizontal stuff. It's not like vertical explosiveness. Um, you know, so and Etienne also runs with the same strength too. Like I honestly think Jameer Gibbs is very similar to to Etienne and the fact that they both can run with power and with burst. We'll see if his Vision and decision-making are as good as ETN's has been, but I think ETN's one of the more underrated backs in the league probably. I'm a huge, huge ETN fan, and uh, just the fact that he can affect the game in, in lots of different ways obviously makes him a really valuable player. He's a guy, I mean, you got to obviously be aware of where he is because they they can move him around. He's also pretty decent. He's had his foibles at times, but he, he is very willing and, and has certainly been good for, for stretches of his career as a pass protector um, at, at running back too, so he can stay on the field consistently. He's a guy that I just think is a real weapon, and you have to be able to make sure you tackle him. Um, so that's a part of it. You mentioned the Lawrence stuff. Yeah, he is kind of one of the – he might be the most fought about. I'm probably not the most fought about because everybody agrees he's good, but some people think he's absolutely elite, like should be in the top five, top four conversation already. And then there's other people who are just like he's overrated because of because of the people who are being extreme on the other side. And so he generates a lot of discussion when really his play is just pretty clearly to me like good like and not yeah. elite, like on a consistent level. Like he's not going out here and doing things like the top quarterbacks in the league, like two or three guys in the league are doing every week. But he's definitely like very good, and he certainly has the ability at any time to click into that mode. Like he is 
physical, all the physical ability to be able to make all those kinds of throws. Uh, he is very much a like do it out coach type of quarterback. Yeah. And which is funny because he has the ability to be a creator, but he's not really a creator at quarterback. So it's, you know, I guess that makes it even somewhat, but the fact that he still has that ability, like you still see it at times once or twice, like you'll, you'll see the flashes of, Oh, he has to escape in a big time moment and make a play. And he does it. It's just not how he prefers to live. So you don't worry about it down to down. Like you do with some guys like Lamar Jackson, even Deshaun Watson, who Steelers have played um, this year. So a little bit of a different player, the, the time to throw thing is very interesting. And it's one of the reasons why I think we will see TJ Watt do a lot of, hanging out and jumping to try and grab a pass at the line of scrimmage because yeah. he's expecting the ball to come out on time all the time. We've seen when when he's played those types of teams, he typically is very conscious of those things, and he's going to start like hanging out, watching the quarterback's eyes, and then trying to jump up and make a play, bat a ball, something like that. That is definitely going to be a part of the approach when they know they're not going to be able to get to him as consistently as they normally do. And to that point, so we talked about this for the Saints game. Um, when he does get the ball out in two seconds or less on the very quick throws, Evan Ingram is by far his most targeted player, and then Etienne's in there as well. So I think he will be throwing to guys that are probably you know in the slot or running up the seams, like balls where T.J. Watt probably has a pretty good chance of getting a batted pass or potentially picking one off. I do think one last thought on Lawrence, though. I think there was a lack of changing speeds like it was kind of a lot not all fastballs but i think his touch this year has improved from last season uh where he's different speeds different velocities different arm angles to a degree um but really just more touch throws and more you know feathering the ball in and and not so often just using his you know god-given ability and arm strength to just kind of zip it in there uh particularly on like wheels to to both etn and i think tank bigsby had a wheel route like a beautiful throw i think it was like week two um that i, I can remember that totally wrong but but yeah, like th- that is one thing, but th- the quick throws that could be right to the edge defenders. They do need to recognize, okay, I'm not going to get a pressure. This ball's coming out. I need to time my jump well, because they probably will have opportunities to, to disrupt plays. Lawrence actually has had the most batted balls the line of scrimmage in the NFL this season with nine. So that is going to be a big part. I mean, the next closest one is seven. So he, you know, when you're talking about margins that small like there's a bunch of guys tied with seven and six so it's it's pretty notable especially because he's also maybe the tallest quarterback in the nfl so yeah. it's not a height factor either like imagine if he was baker mayfield size like he'd be getting that just swatted all day like it would just be <laughs> an absolute problem for him um not the fact that it's nine though still at his rate yeah absolutely it's it's going to be a factor kind of moving forward uh this season i think and so um and and in this week i think and the Steelers obviously have the guys to take advantage of it let's pause here for just a second and talk a little bit about the fact that like today that sounded like terrell austin was talking to the media and he said kind of as you and i talked about earlier in this week that they are going to commit to moving tj watt around more moving forward um so that was something you and i kind of called for earlier this week it was cool to hear austin kind of address it and talk about that i think it is a obviously part of the picture here we also talked about Watt kind of uh, improving some of his approach but even if it just forces defenses to adjust the fact that you have so many good rushers at this point also gives you the ability okay if it's not Watt and you're really going to like trick go and bend over backwards move everybody else around everywhere you know we're going to get other guys free and so the Steelers despite having a very good front and some of the best one-on-one rushers in the league are just a good team in terms of pressure rate like they're not like some unbelievable juggernaut of pressure rate, you know, that created this season. Um, they are currently, as I look at it, uh, about 10th in the league in pressure rate, which is good. 
But this team needs to be probably elite, especially with their secondary. They need to be like 30% pressure rate, 29% pressure rate this season if they're going to kind of achieve what they need to achieve defensively. So you got to find other ways to do that. You have to get TJ Watt more favorable matchups looks in this game and in games beyond this, even when Hayward is back. Um, you are probably with Cam Hayward uh, today so opening his practice window, his 21-day practice window. I don't think he's going to play against Jacksonville. I don't know if they've actually ruled him out officially yet, but I think that would be a little bit of a surprise if he played against Jacksonville. But maybe the Titans game after uh, could be a possibility. I know it's a short week. Maybe that's why they do it now. We'll see. Um, I wouldn't rule that out. But that like, if you can get all those guys back healthy together and you also are making life hard for teams scheme-wise to know where everybody is pre-snap, You've created a real issue. Pretty much all the best teams in the league and all the best passers in the league, the individual guys, the edge rushers, even the outside, the inside guys, they never stay in one place. Like Aaron Donald doesn't, Chris Jones doesn't, Max Crosby doesn't, Nick Bosa doesn't, Miles Garrett certainly doesn't. Like all of them move around. And so the fact that the Steelers have been the one team that just has not done that, it it keeps in line with the Steelers like being one of these teams that doesn't look around the rest of the league, doesn't really see what the trends are. They don't really like, they just are like, Oh, here's what we'll talk to our player and figure out what he wants to do. And we'll just do that or figure out what we want to do and just do that. That doesn't work that way. Like you have to see what the trends are and to be able to keep with them. So they're behind in this way. Uh, I don't want to give them too much credit. We'll see what they do with it. Uh, but they are recognizing it now and seem like it seems like they do want to push him to move around. I know, He's been maybe a little resistant to that in the past as well, based on old comments, but I would say like still comments that that he did make about wanting to play on one side. And so uh, there'll be a lot of factors that go into that, but that's a very curious aspect of this matchup, especially considering the Jaguars tackle situation is interesting. I wouldn't say they're bad, but they're just beatable. And I think we still don't quite know Cam Robinson just came back. He has been like a very odd career trajectory where it's like, yes, I don't know if anybody would have had him. Was this a year eight in Jacksonville or something like that? Like, I don't think anybody would have had that in the cards. And it's so many times, whether it's a suspension or they drafted somebody, it's looked like he was gone or he's still there. Um, So he just seems like the player that will never be moved. And then on the other side, you always have Anton Harrison, the rookie who got killed against Chris Jones, has made some strides. He's still not perfect. That'll be an interesting matchup with Watt as well. He's a good player, but I think Watt needs to definitely like win that matchup more often than not. Uh, I guess the interesting one there will be if Walker Little is back at left guard. I assume he is with the, with the extra rest. I think he was fairly close to playing in the Saints game, but just didn't because of the short window. But I mean, he's a big upgrade at left guard over Ben Barch or whoever you know, they're playing at that spot. He obviously was the left tackle when Cam Robinson was suspended. He can play pretty much anywhere on the offensive line. Um, but I think that'll be a bit a big boost. But yeah, the the white quote was I, I could be wrong here, but I think he said too, like I've challenged TJ, which makes it kind of ties into your what you've said, where Watt may personally have some resistance to doing that. But yeah, I, I mean, I think you have to explore it, have to look into it because you mentioned ETN. Think Bigsby also will kind of dive at your knees and block as as a pass protector as well. They brought him in in on third downs, particularly you know not to run routes, kind of just stay there. He's a bigger guy. Um, and, and is a decent, especially for a rookie running back, is a decent pass protector. So you're going to get the same, you know, chip every single time and guys diving your legs. And if, if they know you're just going to line up out wide and, you know, do the same thing you always do, it's it's, it's probably not going to be super effective. Uh, this is definitely a matchup in a week where, yeah, it'd be cool to see him do some different things, get lined up different spots, Um, especially because last point, like you mentioned, I think Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen almost play like 50% of snaps on both sides of the ball. They're one of the most fluid combos off the edge. They both line up. They, they switch all the time. Not that you have to do that. Um, but yeah, that, that was cool to see a couple of days after, you know, you went on your, I'm not a rant. I won't call it a rant, but it was a, I am a, a prolonged conversation. <laughs>
Yeah. Uh, interesting, by the way. We got a little, uh, I don't know if this is trash talk or not. Uh, George Figgins referred to the Jaguars as having a hope defense when it comes to stopping the pass. I, I don't know if that's, is that trash talk? I'm not sure what that a hope means. defense? Yeah. Here's his cold quote. Their D-line, Pickett said to the media. Uh, this is video from Brian Batko on his Twitter page. They depend on their D-line a lot with their team having a lot of first-round guys on that D-line. That's what they depend on a lot. They kind of hope, you know? Hope that guys hold up long enough. So it's kind of a hope defense for sure. And okay. Okay, <laughs> maybe George. Maybe that's a shot. I I I frequently don't know what George Pickens is talking about. So you think he was uh, talking maybe. about his own defense? Uh- <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's definitely more of yeah, maybe he was. <laughs> he's just very much describing his Steelers defense. Um yeah. I wonder, I guess it's more trash talk than Trevor Lawrence is calling the Steelers terrible towels. He said, Yeah, they have those little yellow towels. They were I know what terrible towels are. And people somehow took offense to this. Like, is it is it the adjective little? Is that I I'm I not guess. sure. I mean, not terrible. They're not, they're not little or terrible. <laughs> I don't know. People are just crazy. Um, fandom is such a disease. I love it. Um, it really is. It really is. Yeah. Let's. Uh. So I, I guess we can we cap it there and get into this draft a little bit because I know we got to wrap here in the next fifteen or so. Let's do it. All right. Let's jump into this roster draft of Jaguars and Steelers players. For people who don't know uh, and haven't, this is their first time tuning in. We uh, before each game day, game yeah, game day, we draft a from the healthy players, the players that are going to be playing in this upcoming game. Uh, we draft from the healthy players um, that are on each team's roster. I started last week, so Brad, it is your pick first this week Ooh, to, with, the, with the draft. Oh, oh is, we don't do quarterbacks. We don't do quarterbacks. That's the other. We don't do quarterbacks. Um, yeah, I was going to just take uh, Trevor Lawrence, get me a nice QB on the roster. All right, I'm going first. I don't think I've taken him first yet. Uh, I still think two good football teams, but TJ Watt is the best player on the, on this football field on Sunday. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. Um, I've got the second pick here. You already took the best player. <laughs> and hey, I don't think I'm going to be taking anybody on the Jacksonville defense just yet. Let's look at this offense a little bit. Oh, if you'd asked me before the year, I was like, Calvin Ridley is going to have a great year, but I don't see it that way now. Yeah, I think I'm off. Yeah, man, I like a lot of players on Jacksonville's team, uh, and this is going to make me seem a little biased, but I'm taking Minka here. Got to do it. Yeah, you get. I think you get some flack for the Minka pick like every single week we do it, uh, which is pretty funny. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I guess that's what happens. Picks are the only thing people notice about with DBs. Picks are when they get torched, and he doesn't get torched, and he doesn't get picks this season. So I guess people don't think he's good anymore. Yeah, that's like in, in Chicago, people think Jalen Johnson's good now because he had two interceptions. Like he didn't have picks because no one throws at him. That's kind of the whole point of playing that position. All right. Um, this is interesting because we had the conversation of Jacksonville's defense being all like good but not great. I kind of feel the same way with their offense. They have a lot of good players. I don't know if I would characterize any of their offensive players as great. Maybe Etienne in his position. I don't think positional value is part of the conversation here. I'll I'll take Josh Allen. I'll just have a gnarly pass rush here. Um, He's a very good player, and uh, he probably deserves a little bit more acclaim, and he's having a great season so far this year, too. Wow, Josh Allen over Alex Highsmith. Uh, Steelers fans, I hope they they slide into your DMs, slide into your mentions a little bit. Yeah, I definitely do. I hope they do. Only... Only one got extended this offseason. It wasn't Josh Allen. So take that's that for true. You yeah, that is that's very true. Uh, I think Josh Allen's a heck of a player. So won't find me complaining. Um, oh man. Okay. I I feel like I I am really gonna seem like a homer now, but I, I almost feel like I have to go Highsmith. Like if I'm not going an offensive player for either of these teams, like 
do the Steelers have a little bit more talent involved in this matchup than maybe we're, we're yeah. thinking that they do? I mean, Jacksonville is really solid. They don't have any weaknesses. But like the Steelers, I point to some some clear weaknesses. I'd say quarterbacks obviously a big difference in this game, but it was last week too. And so, um, yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to take Alex Highsmith. There you go. There you go. No, it, it's interesting. You look at it now, and they've been picking in the top like five every single year, and they have a lot of. I mean, Lawrence, like you said, obviously is, is a big difference. But all right. Let's see here. I think we'll probably have a lot more Jags through the rest of the group, but I think the Pittsburgh Steelers do have the best top end players. And I'll go with, I'll go George Pickens over Calvin Ridley. I am a Ridley guy. He was great week one. He's still a good player, but he kind of hasn't done much the last month. He's 29. Obviously, Pickens is young and, and Pickens is playing the best ball of his career right now. So I'll take the first receiver off the board over Deontay Johnson. I'll take George Pickens. Yeah. I mean, is Christian Kirk the best wide receiver in Jacksonville? I- I think he might be right now. Most productive, I mean, that's to... for sure. <laughs> What's that? He's certainly the most productive. Yeah. I mean, he's good. Like he's he's legitimately good. Like, um, yeah. And I thought Ridley would be like maybe better than good, better than really good, but he has not been this season for sure. I mean, he definitely is better than this production indicates for sure. I think there's no doubt about that. But I don't know that I would say like he's a guy that's you know gonna be better like i don't you, you wouldn't take pickens you wouldn't take him behind pickens in a draft yeah like i would you take deontay johnson calvin ridley or christian kirk is like a great conversation like i think like it is a good conversation yeah i mean that that's a really interesting one um and i think i'm just gonna <laughs> i'm gonna lean all this is gonna be the most homer i get accused of being on this podcast probably ever but i think i'm gonna take deontay johnson here maybe i'm really drinking kool-aid after they won a game and actually yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Two two offensive drives have me feeling like this team could actually be like good on offense again. Deontay Johnson hasn't scored since I was like in college, so this is really a really risky pick, I guess. In some ways, you could easily take Kirk here, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be put off of that. I just personally think Johnson has all talent in the world. What shows up on Sunday is anybody's guess, though. So how you determine that in your ranking is very fair. I feel like. I'll leave you, since there's two, I'll just leave you with the receiver battle. I'll pivot to, I, he's playing in this game, so it counts. I think Tyson Campbell is the best corner in this game. Um, so I'll, I'll get a nice a nice stud outside corner who can play on the inside too uh, in Tyson Campbell. Yeah, he's really good. Um, that is a good pick for sure. A lot of kind of comparably tiered guys here, I would say, like where like you could really kind of go in any order here. Uh, I don't really care about the team building part of it, everything. So I'm just going to take Christian Kirk here because I do think he's really good. But there are a lot of good players still on the board. And this this is going to be an easy draft for us. Certainly not like the Rams one last week. This is much easier. Yeah, we're getting really deep in the weeds. I was scrolling through like, you know, over the cap, looking at the rosters last week. Um, yeah, we'll I'll take Calvin Ridley now. So now we got the top four receivers off the board. I'll, I'll take Calvin. All right, Calvin Ridley off the board. Uh, I think I'm going to take – let me look here real quick. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to take Andre Cisco, man. He's fascinating. I, mean, I love safeties so who can go get the football. And it doesn't seem like a flash in the pan or a luck thing for him. It's safety. It typically isn't like you got to go get the football. And he does. And I value that a lot. He seems like a pretty solid, complete player. And so I'm, I'm a big fan of him. Yeah, I don't think it's a flash. I think he just was. Didn't he have a torn ACL like coming into the league? Yeah, so, he did. He was injured. Yeah. Yeah. So he probably just had, you know, obviously it slows down your growth. All right. Probably drinking a little Kool-Aid, but I don't know. He's been, I mean, he's the most tackles in the NFL the last three years. And tackles, as we talked about, are kind of a meaningless stat. But also a good coverage player. Not a great coverage player, but a solid coverage player. There are many other options here. I could have gone, you know, back to defensive line. I'll take Foye Luakuna. I think he's the best backer in this game by a decent margin. Wow. That's a surprising one to me. I wasn't ready for that at all. Yeah. 
Shoot. Uh, man. Okay. Foy. Uh, I like Foy. Uh, you like him more yeah, than me, though. Point. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm gonna go Travis Etienne. I hyped him up a bunch, and I know running backs don't matter, but I think he's more than that. And I just love his game. I think he's so fun to watch. So I'll go Travis Etienne there. Real Kool Aid pick. I'm waiting for you. I won't say it because we'll get there. But uh, he didn't. No play offensive lineman, by the way. No offensive lineman have been taken. Yeah. yeah. Um, Is it Kool Aid? I'm shocked. I can't say I'm shocked by that. I'm not taking one here either. Uh, we'll get there, but I'm not taking him. Also, it's funny. I wonder if the first overall pick gets taken in our top 20. Um, I'm not taking him here either. He will uh, not. Hmm. Now it gets interesting. Now it gets interesting. Uh, I wish Cam Hayward was active. That'd be great. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, can't, radio. can't pick him right now for people wondering. Maybe I'll just take him just to, just to gauge how, how crazy you think this is. Uh, I'll take Keanu Benton. Just give me him now. Just take him early. Splash play. <laughs> take him super duper early. But, hey, it's it's a forward-looking draft. Are you going to play him more than 19 snaps in the game? Or yeah, I'll play him more than 19 <laughs> snaps. He'll have a bigger role for me. Yeah. All right. Then he might he might give you real value then. Oh, okay. Um, here we go. Uh, I still don't feel like I want to go with an offensive lineman in this game, which could be – uh, foreshadowing of how this will go there, there there's like these are very like adequate lines so they're not great they're very adequate offensive lines i would say there's really no i mean cmalu brandon sheriff probably like the conversation for the best sheriff's just falling off he's older like yeah. uh, he can still hold his own against certain types but the, the, the real athletes just yeah, expose him i feel like yeah, chris jones it was not even a contest like i was okay no. um Okay, I really have liked this guy. I have two players that I really want here, and I hope you don't take whoever I don't take. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with Evan Ingram here. I think he's playing his best ball. I'm just a big fan of his game. Run after the catch tight ends. You can kind of do everything at all levels. Seems like he shed some of the drop concerns. He's a real factor of the catch. He plays so aggressive now, like now that he's out of the Giants you know, massive situation that he was in earlier in his career. Like it seems like he's really found a home and he's thriving. I wish he'd started his career in a place like this, but uh, I was really on him coming out of that draft. And I've just never quite quit him at this point. I respect that. It actually was going to be my next pick. His first catch in that Saints game too was an awesome snag. And then he was able to kind of like not fall over, settle and, and get some yards after the catch. Um, like you said, yards after the catch guy, but also sure-handed. I think the giants just kind of ruined him. Uh, and it goes to the trade deadline. We're obviously going to jump into in a bit here, but the Giants remember like three years in a row or two years in a row, like refused to move him. And I was like, why not just trade him? And then it's like, oh, because they were seeing this in practice. They just like couldn't actually scheme anything up for him and get him like the, the football. Uh, that's why. All right. Yeah. I will take, I'm just going really young here, just upside, but I'll take Trayvon Walker. Why not? We're like pick 18. He's the first Whoa. overall pick from last year. <laughs> I really didn't think he was going to, he was going to go. I wasn't going to take guys then. Yeah. I had it mapped out if he was not going to be in there for me. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. I'll uh, I'll take Darius Williams. I think that uh, he's just a really good corner. I'm a big a fan. Pick. I think he's scheme versatile. I, I think he's been consistently good when he's been outside. Really good ball skills. So even just to knock the ball down and things like that. Uh, always always playing at the catch point, I feel like. So I'm a big fan. Better pick. That's probably who I should have taken. Uh, where are we? Do we have, how many picks do we have left? One or we two? have, yeah, good question. Uh, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You have two picks left. Okay, two picks left. Still no offensive lineman taken. It probably is the two guards you mentioned. Nope. Oh, it feels like we reached maybe a tier. Definitely reached a tier. It's getting. It's real tough now. It's kind of just like a flavor flavor type thing. Hmm. He hasn't played much. He was great last year. 
I can't convince myself to do it. People are going to think I'm crazy. I'm losing this one if, if we're getting any voting on this. I'll do it. I'll pull the trigger. I like him coming out of Ohio State. Under the radar, dude, that I think when he signed his extension this past offseason, a lot of people were like, why did Jacksonville extend this guy? And I was kind of like, you probably didn't watch his tape the last couple of years. I think Devon Hamilton is playing in this game. He's a problem. Yeah. He, he's a guy you can move around. Uh, you know, you want him as more of like a three-tech or even more, you know, um, on the interior. But he, he's a he's a handful. He is a hard dude with one player to block. Uh, he's, a, he's a fun player. Well, I – Hopefully we'll travel to face the Steelers this week. He did talk to the media, he practiced him full last week, but okay. he isn't off. He isn't off IR yet. Like, I, I don't know oh, how we treat not? that. No, no he might not, not be eligible. He hasn't been. It won't Full be until practice, he might not be eligible for this draft, but he probably will play this week. So yeah, I'm okay with it. Right? I don't feel like. Oh, maybe they did designate him to return. I think uh, he did. I think they did. I could be wrong. Though. Oh, they did. All right, go ahead. All right, you're good then. All right, cool. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, good pick. Uh, Devon Hamilton is a good football player for sure. Um, man, uh, it gets tough here. I might go with a real sleeper pick. I'm doing it. Joey Porter Jr. Give him to me. Give him to me. I'm going on the other side. He's, he's barely played, yeah. but why not? I thought you were going to take Devin Lloyd just because you, you whacked poetic about him before. Um, I'm going yeah, to take him here. <laughs> you said you, you won't, you'll be okay if I don't, if I do take him. If you if you take if you don't take them, I'm going to take them. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take them then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got all the Jags linebackers. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. That leaves me with the last pick. This is this is tough. Should I take an offensive lineman? We haven't had one come off the board yet. Just for just um, for representation. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh. Hey, I started this thing with the youth movement, and I'm going to keep it going. Give me Nick Herbig. <laughs> My guy. Wow. First time he's been drafted by us this year. First time right there. No offensive lineman type of draft. Oh, Brandon Thorne would be so pissed at us. So mad. All right, so I'm your mad. team, TJ Watt, Josh Allen, George Pickens, Tyson Campbell, Calvin Ridley, Foy Luikon, Keanu Benton. Trayvon Walker, you got the front, dude. Dave, you got David Hamilton, you got Lloyd. How many front seven defenders do you have? Everybody like six, <laughs> except for Pickens, Campbell, and Ridley. You got seven dudes up front who are playing in the front seven at least, with Lloyd and Aluakon in there as well. Wow, you're loaded up front. I've got uh, the secondary. I'm I, that's where I focus. I got Minka, I got Andre Cisco in my safeties. I got Darius Williams and Joey Porter Jr. as my corners, and then I got Herbig and Highsmith as well off the edge. And then I got Deontay Johnson and Christian Kirk, the receivers, and then Travis Etienne and Evan Engram. Just give me a quarterback. I'm ready. I don't need to roll. Line. Yeah. 77, no, baby. 77. Don't need them. 77, I'm dominating. When, when are they going to play a team where we're going to be like ripping offensive linemen? Like the next couple, they have Titans next, so we're certainly not taking any offensive linemen in that draft either. Uh, we'll, we'll get oh, there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cleveland, maybe. Yeah. I might take Skaronsky next week. We'll see. Fair, we'll see. fair. Fair. I might do that. Um, all right, let's uh, quickly to wrap up here. Splash play player of the week. Splash play player of the week for the Steelers. We pick a player, not a quarterback, uh, for splash play player of the week and for clown play player of the week. Uh, I did pick TJ Watt last week and got that right. I picked you picked for splash player that linebacker's name. I can't even remember for the Rams. And it was the clown player. No, Christian Noteboom or yeah, whatever. Right, for the clown, your Christian Roseboom. Yeah. And he had yeah. an interception going through his hands, didn't he? 
So, I mean, <laughs> it was really a nice play because it ended up being a deflection. And I, but didn't it pick up through? I'm pretty sure. You was, are correct. You are that correct. Was, yeah. was that Kenny's tenor? I think that was not. I think it was him and not Ernest. Yeah, I think you're correct. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I I technically, you were kind of right. And that was one of the deepest pull clown play play of the week. Well, I guess. That might be how it works. Like you pull deeper, you get in a more obscure player. They're more likely to be. Yeah, you want high snaps, but more obscure. That, yeah, that's yeah. High snaps, but bad at ball. I get it. Uh, I like it. Um, but I haven't used it yet this season, so I'm going to go with Levi Wallace. That's right. That's <laughs> this, a free bingo this square. Because this might be my last week to do before he gets cut and they trade for somebody at the deadline. <laughs> True. That's actually a great point. You got to use it while you still can. Um, right. I'll go with Rayshon Jenkins. You mentioned he does make some nice plays. He also mm-hmm. is due for an occasional clown play uh, yeah. for sure. Even back when he was a charger too, not just the Jaguars. So I'll take Rayshon Jenkins as my clown play player of the week. I like it. I am going to, can I go back to somebody for splash play player of the week? Or can I only pick somebody once? Do you think? It's up to you. You can't go okay. TJ Watt twice in a row. I'll say that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I- I'll go with Minka again. It's got to happen at some point where he gets a pick and I feel like he can get Trevor Lawrence once. All those quick throws, they're going to have him jump in that stuff. I think he's going to get one, so I'll go Minka. I like that call. I do think he's, they're, they're going to try to make that happen. I'll go talk about calling a shot. Talk about it has to happen. Deontay Johnson is finding the end zone in this football oh, game. Oh, oh, a big one. Oh, hey, yeah. you're betting that the Steelers score a touchdown in the game. That's a big bet. It's oh. a big bet. <laughs> and then B, that it's Deontay Johnson. That is – I would take – I would take – his odds, I think. I feel like at this point. Uh, but all right. Hopefully that gets you a little bit set uh, for this game. Steelers versus Jaguars this week. And we'll be back early next week to continue to break it all down for you, as we always do here on the Yin Snowball Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, subscribe. Go to the YouTube page and check it out and see what we're about on YouTube and subscribe over there uh, for free, by the way. All this for free. And so, and then also the other thing you can do is leave a rating and a review that helps us out a ton and then share the podcast, go take the podcast, throw it out there to the people and let the people know this is where the best dealers content is and let the people know to follow and leave their own review and rating. We appreciate that. And when you all do that, it really helps us so, so, so much. Um, that is the the biggest deal in the world to us and help spread the, spread the word on this podcast, which we appreciate. So thanks y'all. We'll catch you again early next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.